Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Beat My Guest. I'm your host, AJ Mass. If you're new to the show, each week I invite a guest to sit in the hot seat and field questions in a wide variety of topics, earning points for the episode on a scale of 1 to 100. For those of you playing along at home, you have but one task set before you, and that is to see if you can beat my guest. But before you can beat my guest, you need to meet my guest. So let's give a warm welcome to today's guest, Zach Brooks. Zach, how are you, sir? AJ, I'm glad to be with you today. Uh, I am glad to have you here. Uh, I'm sure you're a longtime listener, first-time caller, uh, your first time in the hot seat. Uh, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, why you do the things you do, and all that good stuff. Oh, man. So, uh, yeah, so my name is Zach Brooks. Uh, I live in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which kind of hurts my soul a little bit because uh, I'm a diehard Michigan State Spartan, and Ann Arbor is home of the University of Michigan. But, you know, I, it's a good place to live. And in my free time, I do lots of different communications type things, uh, including my own podcast, a, a movie podcast called The Movie Ladder Podcast, which we just launched a few weeks ago. So there's only a couple episodes in the can right now. Uh, and the reason why I wanted to come on with you is because I also host trivia. So I wanted to see how your trivia hosting compares with my trivia hosting. Oh, excellent. Excellent. It's always good to uh, sample the competition, as it were. Well, it's all friendly competition in terms of trivia hosting. I think we tend to be one big happy family. It's not like you're in my market. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I host at, uh, I just host at different bars. Actually, right now, I don't even host it at any particular bar. I just fill in when they need a trivia host, which is a cool way since I recently moved to Ann Arbor. It's a cool way for me to get around Ann Arbor and see all different types of bars because I'll go in there and host a trivia event for a couple hours and get to pick out my favorite places that I'm recently finding. I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but my high school, uh, when I was at my high school, we were the uh, Spartans. And then the year after I graduated, they decided to switch to the Wolverines. Oh, wow. That's I've, I'm surprised yeah. I've never heard of a school doing that. That is crazy. It doesn't really matter. We didn't have a football team or anything like that. But uh, for yeah, all our sports teams went from Spartans to Wolverines. I don't know if it had anything to do with Michigan, but two team nicknames from inside the glove certainly did not uh, escape my notice. Yeah, that's... <laughs> That's wild. Now I'm going to have to tell people all about that. That is that is a great story. For sure. <laughs> well, uh, Zach, uh, since you are familiar with trivia, I don't need to uh, fill you in too much about what trivia is. But, you know, every format's a little bit different. Let's explain Definitely. a little bit about the rules that we're going to be using for today's game. There are going to be four rounds of four questions each. In each round, I'll let you know the categories in order we'll be using for that round. Before we read each question, Zach, you get to lock in how many points you wish each question to be worth. Get it right. You get the points. It is just that simple. Oh, there's also going to be a halftime bonus worth 10 points at the end of the game. You get the field we call the confidence question, which is your last chance to try and improve your final score. But I will explain all of that when we get there. Enough preamble. I tend to yap a lot. I know. I've heard it. <laughs> I'll just cut right to the chase. The chase. Another game show. Hey, trivia. Ooh. You could just make links and links and links. Like the Movie Ladder podcast, just we do movie connections all over the place. So you're doing trivia connections. Great. Oh man, I, I bump set Spike for that one there, buddy. Yeah, uh, thank you. Pre <laughs> appreciate you teeing that one up for me. Round one. Let's go over the categories for this one. The point values available to you are going to be one, three, five, and seven. Here are the categories for today's game. We're going to kick things off with audio hodgepodge, which admittedly is a bit of a lifestyle. Move along to Odd Man Out. Follow it up with television. And we are going to wrap up round one with analogies. But first things first, Zach. Audio hodgepodge, one, three, five, or seven. How would you like to start your trivia journey? Uh, let's go right in the middle. Let's go with three. Three points for audio hodgepodge. Here is how this works. I am going to read you a trivia question. That's kind of how these things work. Uh, then after I read you the question, I'm going to play a little clip for you. The idea being that after you hear the clip, you're going to have a better idea of what the answer is than you did before you heard the clip. So here is your three-point audio hodgepodge question, sir. This clip comes from the sizzle reel of what 2019 television show, which in its second season was the lowest rated show of the calendar year. You're not allowed to eat in here. There's a sign out front. I didn't see a sign. Ignorance is no excuse. You're a prosecutor, aren't you? Assistant United States attorneys to the right, federal public defenders to the left. You can sit together if you like, but if I've learned anything after 27 years of doing this, it's that you don't like to sit together. The Southern District of New York, the highest profile trial court in America. The cases are hard, stakes are high. The lawyers on the other side are better than you. Some of you won't succeed. Some of you are not worthy. But for those of you who are, your time here will be the highlight of your career. All right. Uh, so I heard that clip, and it sounds like it's a lot of uh, legal 
jargon and uh, courtrooms going on on that on that show. And I didn't recognize any of the voices that I heard uh, as TV stars. But it's it's got to be some sort of uh, did you say it's, did you say whether it's a, a network or cable show? I, I did not specify, but uh, you know I'll I'll be happy to uh, tip you point you in the network uh, direction because we're talking Nielsen ratings and uh, and and it's the lowest rated show uh, in its second season. Uh, so I'm just trying to think of I think there's a show called Raising the Bar, and that was my first thought. Um, although you did say sizzle, so then I thought maybe it was something that would have the word steaks in it. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Raising the Bar. Okay, raising the bar is your answer. Certainly, there were a bazillion uh, television shows, uh, but when networks are involved, we narrow that down a little bit. Raising the bar, I, it was a TV show at, at, at some point. I think it was a Stephen Botchko TV show, but unfortunately, I don't think it was around last year, uh, so that's not going to be a correct answer there. This is a show that actually, quite frankly, I had forgotten was even on in 2019. I am stunned it made it to a second season. It was a show starring Hope Davis and Ben Shankman. Either of those actors ring a bell for you? Hope Davis, but I don't know. Maybe I'm combining other Hope and other Davises together. Uh, Hope Davis from 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 the classic network fair Wayward Pines, amongst other. <laughs> oh yeah, that was Wayward Pines was one that I was like, ah, oh, at some point I should watch this. Never never got around to it. That's all right. You didn't miss anything. Uh, succumb to the Kirk Clark curse. There's he and I podcasted about that for a while. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, this was a show about lawyers. It was about lawyers who are learning how to operate in New York City's uh, finest federal courthouse, and it was called For the People. I have never heard of that show. And why would you have? (laughs) What what channel is this on? Uh, This was one of ABC's uh, Shonda Rhimes family of shows. Oh. Tis no matter. It's only one (laughs) question. You are now fully warmed up. Uh, the, the pep talk that the judge gave in, in that uh, clip certainly applies to you as well. You know, Some of you are going to experience hard times, but you may also experience the best times of your life here in the hot yeah. seat. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting a little warm. <laughs> well, let's move on. Let's see if you can indeed uh, get a little more comfortable in the seat. Uh, one, five, and seven remain. Odd man out is next. Well, I'm feeling pretty confident about well, maybe I shouldn't feel confident about TV anymore, but uh, so I want to save my seven for TV. Analogies could be fun. So let's go with one point for Odd Man Out. One point for Odd Man Out. Very simply, I'm going to give you a list of four items, and you must tell me which one of these four items is indeed the Odd Man Out. For one point, The Catch, Off the Map, Queen Sugar, Still Starcrossed. Which one is Odd Man Out? So it was The Catch, Off the Map. Queen Sugar, and what was the last one? Still Starcrossed. At first, when you said the catch, I was thinking these were all going to be famous sports plays. And I was like, all right, that should be easy. But uh, then off the map is uh, is not going to be that. Uh, We also have Queen Sugar, which could be like a baking show, um, if this is a TV thing. Uh, And Still Starcrossed. These do sound like titles, maybe book titles. And none of them stick out to me. The only one that does is the catch because it's the shortest. And let's see, off the map, Queen Sugar, still Starcraft. Yeah, I'm just gonna go with my gut instinct and say, actually, I'm gonna go with Queen Sugar. The catch, off the map, and still Starcrossed are the the ones that stay together. Queen Sugar is the odd man out. And any particular reason other than just sheer uh, gut call there? Yeah, I uh, I don't. I feel like these are maybe book titles, um, and off the map seems like a good title. Still Starcrossed is a uh, sounds like a sequel to something. Um, Queen Sugar just I don't know. It, it, yeah, mostly gut. Mostly gut. Hey, if if the gut is correct, uh, always always go with the gut. You know, if the gut is wrong, never go with the gut. So mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, the catch uh, nothing to do with uh, Vic Wirtz hitting a deep fly ball to Willie Mays. So sorry, all you uh, Indian fans out there. Uh, nothing, nothing related to baseball there. So yeah, we were just recently discussing a TV show called For the People. I had mentioned that it was in the Shonda Rhimes universe, uh, known as Shondaland. Uh, so three out of these four shows are actually television shows that were produced by Shonda Rhimes. One is not. 
All right, so I was right when I said titles, at least. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, one of these shows is actually uh, produced and created and uh, in charge uh, of all things, uh, a combination of Ava DuVernay and Oprah Winfrey. Uh, that would be the show Queen Sugar. So your reasoning may not have been correct, but your guessing certainly was Queen Sweet. Sugar is the correct answer. <laughs> I guess I have a lot of Shonda Rhimes to catch up on. The catch that was uh, Peter Krause, uh, he was like a uh, con man and uh, there was a detective agency involved there. Off the map, I believe, was a medical school that was in uh, some banana republic and still Starcrossed was some sort of modern retelling of Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I wish I would have done more than one point on that question. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sometimes, you know, the coin tosses are the easiest questions to, uh, to get right. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you had a 25% chance. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, at least you didn't talk yourself out of it. Uh, good job there. One point. You're on the board. Hey, Zach, you're on the board. All right. Not going to get shut out. That's good. Yeah. Let's see if we can climb the ladder to more points on this one. See what I did there with the, 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 the... television's next five or seven, uh, seven. Let's see if we can keep this hot streak going. Seven points. Television, Zach, here is your question. Sugar, Kitty, and Rory are all names of characters who appeared in over 20 episodes of what show? So we got Sugar, we've got Kitty, we've got Rory. Well, I know there was a survivor named Sugar, or uh, a survivor named Rory as well, but I don't think there was a Kitty on Survivor that I remember. Uh, So I don't think it's Survivor. Bojack Horseman, I've seen some of. I don't remember if there's... There's kid. There's something Kitty related on BoJack Horseman, but I'm blanking like all the character names of that show. Um, and of course, uh, Rory Gilmore and Gilmore Girls is kind of what my where I'm first leaning for this one because there is Rory. I don't know if there's a Sugar or a Kitty, um, but I've also never watched Gilmore Girls, so I couldn't tell you for sure. Um, but you know, the the Rory being having a main character named Rory who definitely was on more than 20 episodes uh, that makes me lean that way. I'm trying to think of any other kitties that were characters on shows. Nothing is really coming to mind. Yeah, let's let's hope that Rory pulls me through on this one. Let's go with Gilmore Girls. All right, Gilmore Girls is your answer. Absolutely correct that there is a Rory Gilmore. Uh, Rory and Lorelai being the titular Gilmore Girls in question on that show. Uh, unfortunately for you, I I'm, I'm, don't believe there is a sugar or a kitty on the show at all. Funny, uh, when I first went to write a television question and I decided I was going to spin off from sugar, my, my, my mind instantly did go to Sugar Kuiper from Survivor fame. But yes. <laughs> eventually uh, chose against that route. Uh, none of these uh, characters were in the first few seasons of this television show, which kind of uh, revamped its cast as it went along, as it took place in a school. And when you're in a school, hey, students leave. Tried to come up with three unique names if I could. Unique would have been a name I could have added to the mix because Unique was also a character on this show. Uh, Sugar, Kitty, Rory, all part of the singing club on Glee. Oh, Glee. I've never seen any of Glee. It's a big blind spot for me. It's, it's certainly an acquired taste. It's it's nice to see shows like that who are, are, are going to take uh, like a fantastical view of the world. You can't take it seriously. It is completely implausible up the wazoo. It tended to repeat itself uh, over and over. And quite frankly, uh, once Corey Monteith died in real life, it kind of derailed the show uh, to, oh, yeah. uh, to a point where it could never really recover. But, I mean, Jay Lynch, brilliant. Uh, I, I enjoy the show immensely. And... Uh, Unfortunately, you do not enjoy the answer for you get no, no points there. <laughs> no. The uh, the Gilmore Girls one, I've never really seen any of Gilmore Girls, but I've hosted Gilmore Girls theme night trivias before and sure. uh, with passionate Gilmore Girls fans, and they are not happy when I mispronounce names or uh, character uh, settings and things like that on the show. Cannot give you the points there, uh, sadly, and uh, I'm not sure how much television we'll have going forward because I know uh, some people are going to be very upset that we front-loaded with so much pop culture, but we'll see how it goes. Analogies is up next, sir. Uh, Only for front-loaded with some points. Well, you have one! I have one, yes. Not shut out. I'm not making you eat an egg like I make a lot of people do at the start, so... uh, That's good. Yeah, five points. Analogies, are you ready, sir? Yeah. Let's do it. Here is your five-point analogy. Fun is too young as queen 
is to what? All right. Fun is to young uh, as queen is to what? At first I was thinking egg foo young and then I realized it was not egg fun young. Um, so then I was like, oh, maybe I have this. But let's see. Fun is to young. So there was a band fun and there's the uh, there's the song We Were Young by Fun. And there's Queen and they and we are the champions. So my thought is maybe that it's the noun in a song by the band. I guess it's not noun. What would that be? Adjective. Uh, we were young. We are the champions would be the noun. Just trying to think if there's any other Queen songs that fit in that naming category. So there's We Were Young is the name of the fun song. Does Queen have any other songs that would be besides We Are the Champions? Yeah, I'm going to go with Champions. Champions is what you have answered for this one here. You know, I bet you would have been feeling a lot more confident about that if you had actually known that the fun song is not We Were Young, but it is We Are Young. <laughs> oh, I, I wasn't sure if it was We Are or We Were. Uh, all right, that makes more sense. Yep. <laughs> yes, very simply put, the bands and their songs that are of the structure We Are Something. Fun is tonight. We are young. Uh, so you set the world on fire. You uh, figured out that Queen song. We are the champions. The champions were just champions. I'm giving you the points. I'm not going to quibble over a simple article there. The article did kind of throw me off because I was like, well, it's not the exact structure, but uh, good. I'm glad I got it right. Indeed. Indeed. Two questions right in that round. Uh, uh, excellent debut, sir. Out of a possible 16 points, uh, you got six. That's not too shabby. How are you feeling now? You got one full round under the proverbial belt. Good. I think my pulse has slowed down a little bit now that it's uh, got a couple more. So <laughs> Excellent. Well, we'll see if we can rectify that in round two. Here's how it's going to work. The point values are going to increase to two, four, six, and eight categories. Well, they're going to be a little bit different as well. And here's what we're going to be dealing with, sir. Kicking things off with everybody's favorite category. I deafen grandma. Followed up with sports. Moving along to by the book. And we're going to wrap up round two and the first half with the sorting hat. Yeah, first things first, though. I deafen grandma, our anagram category two, four, six, or eight. Um, all right. Well, I want to save a low point value for the sorting hat. Um, so definitely not using the two. You know, six or eight. Let's see, it's an anagram. So it means it, I could probably figure it out. Uh, let's go with eight right off the bat. Eight. Ooh, bold. Bold. Yeah. Most people fear this category, but we shall see how it works, sir. Here is your eight-point eye deaf and grandma. As always, I'm going to give you, uh, I'm going to read you a little sentence, which is pointing towards an answer. You can come up with the answer without figuring out the anagram, but if you want to use a double check, or maybe if you're not sure, you can find a word or series of words consecutively in the clue itself. That anagram to the correct answer. You don't need it, but it's there. Here is your clue, sir. Be they called Andabata, Mermio, or Scissors. These participants in a god's trial of old often came out far worse for the wear. Um, so, you know, I'm leaning towards the anagram in this being Andabata or Mermio. Mermio. How do you pronounce that? Mermio? Sure, that's what yeah. I'm going with. <laughs> uh, uh, but I also, the the uh, God's Trial sort of looks like that could be a, uh, let's see, these participants in a God's Trial. So God's Trial could be the anagram. Um, you know, scissors sticks out because it is a word that I recognize, which is, there's not that many in this, uh, in this, ca in this clue that I recognize. Yeah, this was uh, not the best choice for an eight point. <laughs> <laughs> I was feeling very confident at first that, uh. Let's see. Uh, these participants in the God's Trial. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking that, like, with scissors, maybe it's something to do with, like, clothing, uh, like, sewing and tailoring clothing, maybe. Um, and God's Trial. I don't know what a God's Trial would be. Uh, I guess it's like, you know, are you, being, are you being tested to make it into heaven? Or is it something even older, more cosmic, more, like, Greek mythology? Uh, so, Okay. So worse for the wear makes me think clothing still, and scissors makes me think clothing. But I don't know what that would be. Is it like the emperor's new clothes? Um, I'm probably going to slap myself when you tell me. But uh, so something with something with clothing for sure. I don't know. I, I guess uh, 
ancient Romans or something. I, I, I'm, I just can't, I can't come up with it. I see saint in there. I see star in there. If it is God's trial, that's the anagram. Um, and if it's Andabata and Mermio, I don't even know where to begin with those. So the saints of old, I guess, is what I will say. The saints of old is what you will say. You might, I mean, it's a hard, it's a hard uh, category to be sure. You might be kicking yourself. Uh, you were dancing around it there. You said ancient Romans. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> that is indeed... Uh, uh. Correct here, we had just come off of some champions. So these are the champions of ancient Rome who would fight each other, the winner of the fight, uh, presumably to be determined by the fates of God, uh, whether or not you get the thumbs up or the thumbs down, and about a Mermio or the Scizori, a.k.a. the Scissors, three of the many different types of gladiators. Oh, gladiators and God's trial, is that? A God's trial, yep, a God's trial. Anagrams um, to gladiators. I see. I got so stuck on. I, I saw Saint in there, and then I couldn't not see Saint, and then I I just couldn't get around that. Uh, ancient gladiators. All right, that makes. I am slapping myself. <laughs> there were a lot of different types of gladiators. None of them were 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 called Turbo or Ice or uh, Viper. I guess those are just the American gladiators later on. So yes, <laughs> or uh, Maximus, right? From, yeah, from right. Gladiator itself. Exactly, exactly. Terry Tate, office linebacker. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Nothing to do with clothing, by the way. No, no. It, it, Scissors it, and wear, no. And that would made perfectly logical sense uh, as you were saying it. I'm going, oh, look at that. A little trap set there unintentionally. But uh, that's what I love about trivia. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's great when you're on that end. It's it's not as, it's, it's not it? as great when you're on this end. <laughs> uh, fear not, sir. Still three questions left in this round. Uh, let's see how you choose to wager on sports, two, four, or six. Um, let's go with six. Six points for sports. Good luck. Here is your question. The Cleveland Gladiators went 17 and one in 2014, but after a sad five win season, just three years later, the team ceased operations. What sport did they play? I feel like I just heard about this somewhere. This really rings a bell. Um, so the Cleveland Gladiators think it's a I think it's it's some sort of like indoor like it's either arena football or indoor soccer. Um, I swear I just heard about this on maybe it was like on Bill Simmons podcast. They came up. I listen to so many podcasts. I get them all mixed up. Yeah, I think it's I think it's arena football. Uh, but did arena football just I know D.C. just had an arena football team that was open they were the washington valor which is similar to the cleveland gladiators so yeah i'm gonna say arena football arena football is your answer you may have been hearing about arena football recently because the league uh has just as a league has ceased operations uh after last season i was fortunate uh to be able to take my son to a game because we had a Local team here, the Atlantic City Blackjacks, uh, were playing, and so we got free tickets, and so we we saw a game against the Philadelphia Soul. Uh, Ron Jaworski was heavily involved. John Bon Jovi used to own. Yeah, I do remember that. Yes, they were down to five teams. Uh, <laughs> uh, league started in the uh, early '90s, I believe, and uh, a lot of franchises coming and going. One of which team that lost to the Arizona Rattlers 72 to 32 in the arena ball. Indeed, the Cleveland Gladiators played arena football. Yes. <laughs> you you know, with that long description, I was like, oh, he's setting me up to tell me why I'm wrong. But well, sometimes uh, I just have a lot of flavor text. <laughs> yeah, it was something. And it, it is, you know, I definitely did just hear about the Cleveland Arena Football League team. So it's funny that you brought that up and one of those things where you know do you ever have moments where you're listening you know like you have something you hear on a podcast and you can remember where you were when you heard it sure yeah so i remember i can't remember which podcast it was and i think it might have been the titus and tate uh college football or college basketball podcast that they were talking about this uh but i do remember i was in the pet department of the grocery store when i heard uh when i heard them talk about it <laughs> forever linked Cleveland Gladiators and Nine Lives. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they used up all of their nine lives. Uh, the league uh, as well. Pour one out for the AFL, folks. Uh, by the book is next. Two points or four points for our literature category. What say ye, sir? 
Well, we uh, could just keep going down the line and do four. Uh, By the book is going to be something that has to do with the book, I'm assuming. Um, so I will go with four. Four points. Four. By the book, sir, here is your question. Uh, what happens in the By the Book question? It's our literature question. I'm going to give you the year that a book was published, and then I'm going to give you four chapter titles from that book. All you have to do to get your four points is to give me the name of the book we're talking about. The year, sir, is 1952. And your four chapter titles are Gussie and Golly, Betsy and Bitsy, Brooks and Elwin, The Judging Ring. Um, so I wonder if you picked this because there is a chapter with my last name in it, uh, Brooks and Elwin. And it's from 1952. Gussie sounds really familiar, but I can't remember where I know Gussie from. And The Judging Ring, I'm not sure what that refers to. Was there a Gussie in The Great Gatsby? That's kind of where my first thought that I went to. I don't remember what year The Great Gatsby was written in, but I was I was leaning that way. So it's from 52, so that would have been, you know, 30 years after The Great Gatsby took place uh, in the book. Could work. Gussie and Golly, Betsy and Bitsy. So I guess it's a little too whimsical to be The Great Gatsby got to be about like siblings or twins or um, the judging ring. This is what I'm going to be slapping myself for, I'm sure. We'll go with The Great Gatsby, although I don't think that's right. All right. It, it would be great if it was The Great Gatsby, because then you'd get your four points. Uh, right. <laughs> unfortunately, I do believe that book is a little too old to uh, be 1952 as the publishing date. Uh, this is a book, you know, there are these little duos of characters, because uh, when you're dealing with books about animals... You tend to need a guy and a girl together so that you can oh, have. No. Oh no! I think I know what it is. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Yes. Uh, it's not Charlotte's Web, is it? Would be a book where they went to a fair and were judged on how great these animals were. Perhaps wonderful animals, fabulous animals, amazing animals. Charlotte's Web is indeed the correct answer. <laughs> Uh, remembered a, a little half too late. credit, yes. Uh, Gussie and Golly, were those the mice or what were? Gussie and Golly are the geese. Oh, Betsy and Bitsy are the cows. Brooks and Elwin are the crows. Well, I guess the cows are both girls because a bull would be the. Nevertheless, geese, cows, and crows, uh, a bunch of animals. Uh, you know, I could have said Templeton, and that would have probably been a bigger giveaway because everyone knows Templeton the rat. Yeah. Uh, E.B. White's Charlotte's Web. Kind of not give you the point, sir, but uh, you yes. knew that. <laughs> I, I, it came to me. Yes, after as soon as you said animals, it was just like, oh, of course. It's, it's obviously not The Great Gatsby. That was just the, it was like one of those where my mind went to The Great Gatsby and I just couldn't get myself off of it. Sort of uh, like Saint in the, uh, in the question earlier. Yeah, it was, it was a scene when the, uh, the animals started to drive the car and crashed. Oh, it was horrible. It was... <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, we have... Uh... One question left and a half. It is going to be worth two points to you. It is the sorting hat. Points to Gryffindor! I'm going to give you three items. You must give me the correct order. Here is the task set for you, sir. I need you to sort these three names from youngest to oldest at the time of the first Spider-Man movie they starred in being released. How old were these actors when their first Spider-Man movie was released? Youngest to oldest, A, Andrew Garfield, B, Tobey Maguire, C, Tom Holland. All right, so all three played Spider-Man. And the first Spider-Man movie when they were released, so obviously uh, Tobey Maguire was the very first one of the three to play Spider-Man, although I think he was older um, so I'm pretty sure Tom Holland is the youngest of the three and Andrew Garfield. I feel like he might be surprisingly old. So I think it might be Tom Holland, Tommy McGuire and Andrew Garfield, but I am not positive about the order of Andrew Garfield and Tommy McGuire. I guess Andrew Garfield had already been in the social network like a couple years before he was Spider-Man, which is why I think that he's older, uh, because he seemed older in the, in the social network. And Tobey Maguire was a little bit older, too, but I still think probably younger than Andrew Garfield. I'm positive of Tom Holland, unless it's a total trick. I'm positive Tom Holland is the youngest. Tom Holland, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield. 
point. You're going Holland, Maguire, Garfield, CBA is your answer. You are uh, completely correct on Tom Holland being the youngest by far. Uh, he was a mere lad of 20, not even old enough for Spider-Man to go to the local brew pub and uh, legally drink some alcohol after a long day battling Doc Ock. Question is, Toby and Andrew, which one was older uh, when Tobey Maguire's first Spider-Man film came out, he was 27 years old. Playing a high school kid. Playing, exactly. Well, you know, he, he ages under Cider House rules. So, <laughs> <laughs> See, Tobey could go into the Cider House because he was 27. Uh, the question is, Andrew Garfield, how social was his network uh, at the time of his first Spider-Man movie? Andrew Garfield was 29 years old, so you are correct, sir. Woohoo! All right. Tom, Tobey, Andrew, 20, 27, 29, CBA. Two more points for you. Well done. Those Spider-Man movies really go by the 90210 rules of uh, actors playing high schoolers. All right, two uh, out of four. Good. Yeah, not bad. Eight points out of a possible uh, 20 there, which are going to add those eight to the six you had coming into the round, which means you are entering halftime with a very healthy 14 points. Here is how halftime works, sir. I am going to give you the title of a top 10 list it is your job to figure out what answer you want to give me if you give me the number one answer on that list you will get one point give me the number two answer on the list you get two points and so on down to the number 10 answer on the list which is worth a whopping 10 points to you but be careful for if you give me an answer that is from 11 on or not on the list at all that's a zero for you, so you want to potentially uh, skew towards the back end of the list, but not so far down the back end of the list that you back yourself out of points. Understood? All right. Your list, sir. According to planetdeadly.com, I have a list of the top ten most dangerous spiders in the world. Take a few moments to think about what answer you want to give me, and we'll be back after the break. If you'd like to support Beat My Guest, helping to make more episodes like this possible, please consider becoming a patron. Just like Steve, Philip, Blair, and Chris, just a few of the most recent subscribers to our podcast. Check out patreon.com slash beatmyguest for details. And now back to me for the second half of this week's episode. And welcome back to Beat My Guest. My guest this week is Zach Brooks. When we last left Zach, he was sitting on 14 points, working on his answer to the following halftime bonus top 10 list, according to planetdeadly.com. I have the list of the 10 most dangerous spiders in the world. Zach, what spider uh, have you decided to uh, side with here? So I could think of three spiders that I'm pretty sure are deadly. And they all have colors in the names. Um, so, of course, there's the Black Widow, which is the, probably the most commonly known spider, I feel like, when people talk about, you know, Black Widow Alliance or, uh, you know, terrible Black Widows. Uh, there's also, I think, Recluse. And, like, I think there's a brown and a black Recluse as well. And uh, so I was leaning towards one of those. I'm going to go with the, I think the Black Recluse is probably more deadly. So I'm going to go with the Brown Recluse. The Brown Recluse is your answer so i am going to go over the list from one through ten to see if you've gotten points at all this round a lot of spiders out there in the world the one that is considered to be the most dangerous is called the brazilian wandering spider Never even heard of it. Apparently, it likes to hide in uh, fruit uh, shipments that go overseas, so hence the wandering. And uh, not so much that uh, one bite will kill you, but because it's been hiding, you don't know that it's there, and uh, it's like the death by a thousand paper cuts kind of situation there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Terrifying, yeah. And I'm never going to the supermarket fruit section again. Number two on the list is a spider known as the Sydney Funnel Web. A lot of dangerous ones in Australia. Number three on the list. A little spider likes to keep to itself. Don't go in that house. The brown recluse. Three points <sighs> for you, sir. Well, at least I got one of them. That's good. Hey, well done. You did not get shut out. Three points for you for completion's sake. And for those playing along at home, we'll go over the rest of the list here. 
at number four, the spider that is known in some parts of the world as the red black, but most parts of the world as the black widow spider that is number four. Number five, the six-eyed sand spider. Not to be confused with the sand snakes from Game of Thrones, who are not deadly or dangerous at all. Uh, number six <laughs> on the list, the mouse spider. Number seven, the fringed ornamental tarantula. Number eight, the yellow sack spider. Number nine, the camel spider. And number ten, it's not TV. It's HOBO. It's the hobo spider. Uh, the hobo spider. Well, I'm glad I went with brown recluse and not black recluse. Maybe there Damn is a, a black recluse. I'm not sure. Yeah. You get the three points for that. You had 14 points coming into the half. 70 points coming out of the half. Well done. Let us see if we can keep some of this momentum going here as we enter the second half. And round three, the point values, they're going to stay the same. Two, four, six, and eight. However, those questions, they're going to be a little bit different this time. It'd be really stupid if I gave you the same questions. I mean, you already know the answers. I mean, where's the, where's the challenge in that? Feel free if you want to. I'll take them. And let's start things off with science. Move along to Around the World. Followed up with movies. And we're going to wrap up round three with music. So science is up first. Two, four, six, or eight. All right. So I want to save my eight for movies. Hopefully I don't embarrass myself as I do have a movie podcast. Uh, science... I feel like science is so hit and miss um, around the world. I'm pretty good at geography, so I'll save us the six for that, probably. It's just a matter of two or four. Let's go with four. Four points for science. All right. Good luck, sir. Here is your four-point science question. Recent research suggests that a peptide called melatonin may be able to help the fight against HIV. What is the source of this potentially helpful compound? Melatonin. It sounds like gelatin. Um, I know there is melatonin, which is in your skin, I believe. So melatonin. And I feel like I've heard about this, too. On some podcasts when you were in the uh, frozen <laughs> section? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I spent a lot of time in grocery stores. All right. Melatonin. Peptide. I've heard of a peptide, too, and I don't remember what a peptide is. I just can't see a peptide from skin. But maybe it's like a, an animal's skin or something, a certain type of skin. Um, or maybe like a fruit skin. Yeah, we'll just go with human skin, although I don't think that's right. Human skin is your answer. Boy, it'd be great if human skin could help the fight against <laughs> HIV. My goodness. Sure would. We, we have so much of it on us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you said you said you thought melatonin was in human skin. You were thinking of melanin, which is the uh, pigmentation of skin fights against uh, sunburn and what's, whatnot. So the darker the skin, the more melanin in the skin. Melatonin is in sleep aids. You take melatonin oh. to sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> they, look, they all they all sound like gobbledygook uh, <laughs> if you don't know what they are. Uh, melatonin is this peptide that somehow when they inject it into, into cells, it drills its way to the center of the cell and kind of blocks it from spreading. I don't know the science behind it. I do know that they have discovered it, and they're thinking that if they can get it to target HIV cells entirely, then they'll have a, a very good way to prevent it from spreading within a, a human body. Uh, and they have discovered this peptide in honeybee venom. Oh, in venom. Okay. Of, of a honeybee. So when those honeybees uh, sting you, uh, they may be just trying to help help you stay healthy. I don't know. But... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, scientists lately have, have determined that the things that may be poisonous to us may actually have secret backdoor uses to actually keep us healthy. Go figure. Yeah, go find those brown recluse spiders. Maybe they can help with something. Yeah, it's, it's, you know what? Uh, it's an anti-aging thing. You can live to 106. You just have to drink some recluse tea or something. I don't know. <laughs> no points, unfortunately, for you on that science question. But we are going to quickly move around the world to six or eight. Let's go with six. Six points around the world. Good luck. Here is your six-point question. China is currently the number one exporter of honey, responsible for 11% of the world's supply. What country is currently number two with a bullet, up 46% since 2014, and only $4 million behind China in total honey sales? All right. The number two country in honey... I'm thinking United States, just trying to think of other countries that Madagascar vanilla. So it's not Madagascar honey. Uh, I didn't realize China was number one in honey production. Just trying to think of if there's a country that would have a similar climate to China that would be good for honeybees. 
Yeah, we'll go with uh, the United States. All right. The United States is your answer. A lot of countries producing that honey. And this is, of course, talking about exporting honey. Uh, United States does produce a lot, but we keep it for ourselves, which yeah. is why we're probably not as high on this list as potentially uh, we could be. Uh, I'm sure we put a whole bunch of tariffs on the Chinese honey. Total, total tariffs. <laughs> You're going to pay. You're going to pay. Unfortunately, United States not even in the top 15 on the list I have here. The number two country. Really, uh, business is booming, as it were. It is New Zealand. New Zealand, a big honey exporter, huh? Yeah, uh, almost almost uh, fully caught up. 10.8% of the uh, world's exports of, of honey. New Zealand uh, asked for a Kiwi brand, asked for it by name. I don't know if that's a brand, but what the heck. If there's not, then Kiwi Honey is a... Uh... Should be. I guess I should watch that movie Honeyland. It's uh, supposed to be a, a great documentary about honey. Well, there you go. Maybe I don't know what they focus on, but if they're not focusing on New Zealand, then they went to the wrong country. So yeah. uh, <laughs> I want honey. Movies is up next. You have the two. You have the eight. I think I know where you're going with this, but you tell me. Yeah, I'm going to go with the eight. And uh, maybe it's about the Mariah Carey movie. Maybe it's about Honeyland. We'll see. Here is your eight-point movie question. Who appeared in Legends of the Fall, 12 Monkeys, and The Edge before having to end his film career due to cancer? Legends of the Fall, 12 Monkeys, which I know you're a fan of 12 Monkeys, and The Edge. So I'm trying to think of who is in. I feel like I, I need to narrow it down from 12 Monkeys because I know that that cast the best of the three. First, I was thinking Brad Pitt, which is obviously would not be the correct answer. Uh, Legends of the Fall. I never saw Legends of the Fall, but I've, I'm familiar with it. Um, I think Daniel Day-Lewis was in that. But again, Daniel Day-Lewis is not the correct answer. And it's a him. It's a, it's a male. Um, and The Edge. I also never saw The Edge, but that's uh, Alec Baldwin. And I believe Sean Connery was in that as well. About two guys that are in a plane crash or stuck and being chased by bears. Anyways, I feel like it's one of the like people in the future time in 12 Monkeys. Uh, not one of the older people. And I can't think of the actor's name, but I can picture him. It's not Anthony Hopkins, but it's I feel like he looks like Anthony Hopkins, sort of. Maybe it's the what is his name? David something. David. Oh, this this is a bad one for the eight point. Uh let's it's like David. Baldwin, or it's not David Baldwin. David, we'll go with David Baldwin, even though I know that's not right, unfortunately. Unfortunately, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not going to drag out the pain on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so interestingly, uh, Brad Pitt, of course, uh, won great acclaim for his role in 12 Monkeys, also in Legends of the Fall. So he's in two out of these three movies. Right. Uh, Legend of the Fall also, uh, in addition to Brad Pitt, was Anthony Hopkins. It is Anthony Hopkins and Alec Baldwin who are in The Edge. So Anthony Hopkins also in two of these three films. Anthony Hopkins said of this co-star, he is one of the best actors I've ever worked with. And one of the reasons he agreed to sign up for The Edge was because he had a chance to work with this actor again. This was his... Uh, Next to last film, he had filmed one other movie uh, after this one, after The Edge uh, developed cancer, and unfortunately had to be put down. It is the bear. Bart the bear. <laughs> Bart the bear. Bart the bear in many, many films over the years. He was the go-to bear. Uh, he has been since survived by Bart the bear, too. Uh, who, if there's a bear in a movie, it's basically, it was this bear. So... When was Bart the Bear in 12 Monkeys? Well, the animals all get released from the zoo, and there's a bear on the steps of the Philly Museum. Oh, wow. I was way off. Samsonite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was interesting that Anthony Hopkins really, really was upset when he found out Bart the Bear had, had passed on. But uh, when, when you were giving the answer, I was a little confused when you said he had to be put down. I'm like, that's a weird way to describe a human getting dying. There you go. Well, down. you know, you you knew the edge was about being chased by bears. If he had, I mean, I would have given you credit if he had just said 
the bear. Uh, <laughs> it, it wouldn't have held you to Bart, but uh, yeah, yeah. Give yourself a, a point if you knew that it was the bear. The bear, yeah. Well, if uh, maybe we'll use the bear as a connection between movies and our movie ladder podcast at some point. Uh, maybe, maybe. Bart the bear. Or Bart the bear too. I mean, you know, you can, you can go through the whole family there. The uh, bear. Wow, <laughs> that that's sneaky. All right. Hey, I'm nothing if not vicious every so often, and uh, I'm just surprised you even heard of The Edge. Uh, this wasn't about the U2 uh, musician, that's for sure. Uh, speaking of music, music is up next. It's going to be worth two points to you. Let's see if we can get you some points this round. Uh, second half, starting off a little rocky. Let's see if we can smooth it out here. Are you ready for your two-point music question, sir? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. All right. Jake Snyder and Dave Knudsen recently disbanded what indie group from Seattle? whose biggest albums were Infinity Overhead, Omni, and Voids. Infinity Overhead, Omni, and Voids. It's a band, an indie band from F- Seattle. They recently disbanded. Not looking good for points in this round. An indie band from Seattle. So obviously there's like the Seattle Grunge. Uh, you know, there's you know, Nirvana, Alice in Chains. Um, maybe it's Alice in Chains. I don't know if I'd call them an indie band. Uh, and I'm not positive they're from Seattle. Void sounds like a more like a metal band almost that that title. Yeah, let's go with Alice in Chains, but I don't feel great about it. Well, you don't have to feel great about it if it's right. I mean, you didn't feel great about Queen Sugar, and that turned That's out. That's true. To... <laughs> <laughs> don't remind me how how much I've not felt great. Uh, yeah, we'll go with Alice in Chains. All right, Alice in Chains is your answer. This is one of those bands that you know I've heard the name over the years. They they were around pretty much from the start of the century all the way through last year when they said, you know, we're calling it quits finally after about, you know, 18 to 20 years together. Always see their name show up with these, you know, when you see the lists of the funny names from the festivals, you go, oh, (laughs) I've seen that name before. They said when they were coming up with their band name, a friend of theirs was telling them about uh, a really uh, interesting first date they had gone on. They said, well, how did it go? And their friend said, you remember that TV show BJ and the Bear? Where the guy had the monkey, and they're like, "Yeah, well, it was like that, minus the bear." Oh, minus the bear. I don't know what that means, but yeah, minus the bear is the name of the band. <laughs> I don't know if that means the date went well. I I, I don't know, but uh, minus the bear, a prolific band, if not famous, they certainly are pro- prolific. Yes, and I should have I I should have put more thought that it would have been. Uh, bear adjacent <laughs> indeed bear adjacent uh, <laughs> my band can be called bear adjacent <laughs> cannot give you the points oh zach oh zach that uh, was not good no is that, a, is that a naked run do i have to do that now if i whiffed on all four <laughs> well you know everything was fine and still you started fearing them spiders uh zero points let me hang on i gotta do the math here 17 plus the carry the the... all right 17 points as we enter round four but fear not all is not lost round four is the highest scoring round available to you sir point value is going to increase to three five seven and nine and the categories well this is what we have on tap today sir kicking things off with the mashup moving along to fungo following that up with who done it and we're going to wrap up today's regulation play with not so current events. So first things first, mashup three, five, seven, or nine. Mashup sounds like a fun category, um, but I don't know if I want to risk everything just yet. Um, so let's go with seven. Seven points for mashup. Mashup, as you know, let me read you a clue that is kind of combining two different words or phrases that are smooshed together by a common syllable. Are you ready, sir? Yes, I am. It must have been something he said, as Wayne Rogers' character was sent packing and replaced by this guy. Meanwhile, Rogers' career stalled. It was his final mistake. He shouldn't have walked away. All right, so it's Wayne Rogers' character. Uh, Wayne Rogers sounds like a country-western character um so i feel like it's the lone ranger is where i'm leaning it must have been something he said now i'm like maybe it's like adios amigo i guess i'll go with the lone ranger but i don't think that's that's not gonna work with a mashup so must be something he said as he walked away all alone ranger so something he said would be like i quit or goodbye or adios tata tanto <laughs> ta 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 ta. Are we gonna go with that? 
Yeah, might as well. Uh, yeah, this one is this is a tough one. Hey, it's round four. Uh, we really put the mash into the mashup this uh, time here. We're talking about the television show Mash here. Oh, uh, Wayne Rogers played a character named Trapper John on Mash, and uh, the actor basically did not like the fact that he was basically playing second fiddle to Alan Alda, so he basically quit the show. Said, "I'm walking." Unless you pay me a lot more money, and they said we're not paying you a lot more money, so he left, and they replaced him with uh, Mike Farrell, who played a character named B.J. Honeycutt, Captain B.J. Honeycutt. Uh, and if you recognize, it must have been something he said. Shouldn't have walked away. It's all hinting at the song "I Just Died in Your Arms Tonight" by Cutting Crew. So we were looking for Captain B.J. Honeycutting Crew. Oh, very clever. <laughs> not ta ta. You can use ta ta tanto another time though. Tata Tanto might be the name of the episode. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> At least it'd it's, be something. It's certainly an option. <laughs> yeah. I cannot give you the point. That was a tough one. That was a tough one. When the mashup comes up in round four, it sometimes becomes pretty, pretty tough there. We had just been talking about BJ and the bear, so BJ Honeycutt. Yes. There, there were ways to get there, but uh, I certainly understand if you didn't. And you I did. need to be thinking more fourth dimensionally on this and thinking, thinking of previous questions and previous answers. Indeed. Hey, it's your first time in the hot seat. You know, yeah. uh, you, you live, you learn. You love Another your Alanis Morissette songs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> fungo. Fungo. Where did the fungo? Fungo is up next. Three, five, or nine. Uh, three, five, or nine. Let's go with, uh, well, since I'm on kind of a cold streak, let's see if a low point value can help me get back up. So let's go three. All right, three points. Uh, good luck. Here is... Your three-point fungo, as always, three separate clues, each alike in dignity, all pointing towards the same singular answer. Give you three clues. All of them have the same answer. You just tell me what that answer is. Clue number one, device that might get jammed. Clue number two, love of a golden earring, perhaps? And clue number three, nickname of Hall of Fame coach Al Arbor. Device that might get jammed. Love of a golden earring. Love of a golden earring is a strange clue. And Hall of Fame coach Al Arbor's nickname. All right. So first thing, I'm not going to forget what the previous answers were, just in case those play a role. So honey, bear, venom, bees. Uh, device that might get jammed. You immediately was thinking like printer, paper jam, love of a golden earring. I have no idea what that could mean. Uh, love of a golden earring. And then nickname Al Arbor, which is like a tree. I've never heard of Al Arbor either. I guess I should have. His nickname, I would assume, is something tree-related. Pine, honey pot, honey, pot of gold, like a jam. Maybe it's a, a like a jam the food, like fruit jam. Onion ring, golden uh, golden onion ring. You jam some onion rings in your mouth. Uh, you're probably sitting there laughing at me. Way off. Uh, so Hall of Fame coach Al Arbor. I don't know. Maybe that's Bear Bryant. Did he? Was that his real name? Potentially. Uh, that would make sense with all of the bear questions and that he is a Hall of Fame coach. So Bear Bryant. Uh, but I don't know how that relates to the other ones. It's the problem. Uh, device might get jammed. You could have like your signal jammed, like walkie-talkie. Toe jam, yeah. earwax. Oh, toe. You can jam your toe. Love a golden earring. I still don't know how that fits. Uh, is it a toe? Device that might get jammed. So it's not going to be your toe that gets jammed. Yeah, I guess it could be a radio of some sort. Al Arbor. Logging. Something with logging, maybe? What do you do with logging? What's the, what's the device that cuts trees down? Buzzsaw? We'll go with a chainsaw. Go with a chainsaw. I love listening to just the internal stream of consciousness there that's going on. <laughs> you try desperately in vain to catch something here. So uh, Al Arbor was a Hall of Fame coach in hockey. He was oh, the hockey. head coach of the New York Islanders for their glory days. He wore huge glasses back in the days when he was a player. And so they kind of made fun of him for having such large glasses, you know, he's kind of like a, you know, talky, tough guys, and they didn't wear helmets back then, so, you know, he looked like this big bookish nerd, and the glasses were so big, they could probably pick up planes on the radar. Radar is the answer, in addition to being a MASH character. Radar was Al Arbor's nickname. Radar can get jammed. And Golden Earring 
is the name of a classic rock band. Two biggest hits. I mean, they had a song called Twilight Zone, but they also had a song called Radar Love. Radar Love. Oh. Ah. Pretty much the only I think I had that... Radar at some point, too. And I, I started thinking that. I said radio, and then I went away from it. Well, you know, the answer was on your radar, but it must have gotten jammed. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, your your score. Your score mm. has gotten jammed. It's been stuck on 17. Let's, uh, you know, call the tech. Get IT in here to clean out your printer or whatnot. And uh, let's see if we can get things get back on track puck. here. Yeah, get the puck in the, in the goal. Put the biscuit in the basket, as it were. Yes. Uh, two questions left. Uh, up next is Who Done It. You have the five. You have the nine. All right. We have the five and the nine for Who Done It. We'll just go with the five. This is pretty straightforward. I'm going to read you a little biographical blurb. You tell me Who Done It. Four or five points. Here's your question. Years after becoming the first female member of Congress in 1917, she returned to the House in the 1940s, ultimately casting the only vote against declaring war on Japan after Pearl Harbor. Who Done It? Hmm. All right. Member of Congress from 1917, returned in 1940, cast the only vote to not go to war with Japan. I would just be guessing at this point. Jane Smith, I feel like, is just a, a name that is coming to me. I'm trying to think if there's any other female members. I probably should know female members of Congress, especially, especially from 1917. I'm trying to think if there's like a library or a government building or something that might be named after her that I could pull from. Rice? Is there like a... Yeah, We'll go with Jane Smith. Jane Smith is your answer. Yeah, yeah, this is going to be one of those you either know or you don't, but You're it's right. you know, just the sad state of affairs on, on how we're taught history that we don't all automatically know this. I mean, I think it's pretty darn impressive to be uh, the first female member of Congress. And the fact that it happened all the way back in 1917, even more impressive, quite mm-hmm. frankly. Uh, more people should know who this person is. Uh, she voted against going to war in World War One, back when she was in Congress, came back in time for World War Two and voted against going to war again. Not because she didn't agree with going to war in these circumstances. She she was just such a pacifist. She would not vote to go to war. Period. It was just against her, you know, that was her inner core being. So that's why uh, she didn't vote uh, in favor of. Uh, she was from Montana, and her name is Jeanette Rankin. Jeanette Rankin. Hmm. Indeed. Yeah, I've never heard that name before. Isn't it a shame? Isn't it a shame? Jeanette Rankin, the first female member of Congress in these here United States. Jane is not that far off of Jeanette, so, you know. Oh, well, now we're stretching it. (laughs) (laughs) One question left in regulation. We've we've gone a long ways between correct answers here. I'm really pulling for you. This is our nine-pointer, the most valuable question of the game. You have saved it for not-so-current events. Current events would be something that's happening today. Not so current events. Something that happened about a year ago to the day. And yet, somehow, these questions always seem to feel very, very current, even though it's been a full year. Let's see how you do. Here's your nine-point not-so-current event question from mid-January 2019. Fearing that such a response could cause Iraq to order U.S. troops out of their country... Pentagon officials spoke out against whose plan to launch a strike against Iran. It does feel current. Whose plan? Pentagon officials spoke out against whose plan? So obviously it could be like Donald Trump is probably somebody in his cabinet. I'm trying to think of what his name is, and I'm totally blanking on it now. Uh, he's got the mustache. He's like the super villainy looking guy. So there's H.R. McMaster. But I don't think it's him. See, the problem is so many people have gone in and out of that administration. Oh, uh, so John Bolton is the person I'm thinking of. I think I think it's probably got to be John Bolton's plan. So, so I'm going to say John Bolton. Zach, remember way back the days of Queen Sugar when, when we were talking about trusting our gut when we have a gut call? Oh, no. So make sure you trust your gut when you have a gut call. You were so close to backing away from this. We are, of course, talking about the walrus mustache of one Mr. John Bolton, former Uh. National Security Advisor, back in the days when he was the National Security Advisor. It's only been a year. It's only been a year. You started making me worried when you were going through that. I was like, oh, my God, another one wrong. But I got it right. right, Got it right. Nine points for remembering the Lorax's name. Nine points. Well done. I'm going to add those to the 17 you had coming in the round. Gives you 
26 points. But our game is not yet done. Nay, nay, sir, I say. It is time for the confidence question. This is your last chance to try to prove your final score, sir. Only one question is before you. Only one answer is required. I will give you the category, and you must, must, wager between 1 and 10 points, get it right, and I will add it to your score, and happily so, sir. But if you get it wrong, Zach, if you get it wrong, not only will you lose those precious points, but I am going to make you wander the aisles of an abandoned supermarket with no Bluetooth, (laughs) so you can't listen to any podcasts. Ooh, the horror. So, sir, as I have requested of all of my guests to the hot seat... I've asked you to give me three potential categories for this confidence question. You have graciously done so. I have deviously selected, so I ask you on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you feeling right now, right here, today, as we sit in the hot seat in the category of Michigan State basketball? Michigan State basketball. See, I was I was worried about giving you a, uh, a category like this because if I get it wrong, I'm going to feel real dumb. But I did give you the category, so that makes me feel pretty confident. I usually get these MSU basketball trivia questions right uh, when I do hear them. So let's go with trusty number seven, because I didn't get seven points right on the last one. All right, seven points. Good luck, sir. Here is your seven-point question on Michigan State basketball. When it comes to March Madness, it was likely truly born in 1979 when Magic Johnson beat Larry Bird in the national championship game. Question for your seven points is what player led the Spartans in scoring that season? So the obvious choice is Magic Johnson. The less obvious choice is Greg Kelser. I just don't want to overthink myself here. We're both kind of the one-two punch on that. I do think it's probably still Magic, and we've gone over trusting my gut a couple times here, which means I should really trust my gut. Just trying to think if I've ever read anywhere that Kelser actually led the... Because uh, everybody assumes it's Magic Johnson. Yeah, I will go with the obvious answer of Magic Johnson. You're going with the obvious answer of Magic Johnson, even though in the question I mentioned Magic Johnson. You did, but you didn't say not Magic Johnson. Greg Kelser, the only player in Michigan State history with 2,000-plus points Mm. and 1,000-plus rebounds in his career, averaged 18.1 points per game for the season. Magic Johnson only averaged 16.1 points per game. You had the points in your hands, bounced off the rim, and fell idly by. Judd Heathcote is weeping. The answer was Greg Kelser, sir. Mm-hmm. Well, at least I, yeah, I was down to those two. I knew it was one of them. I still thought when you were telling me the answer, you're like, how many points Greg Kelser had in his career that you were going to be like, yeah, but he played four years and Magic didn't play all four years. I was just hoping. Yeah, he was the lone senior on the team and uh, went on to be drafted and uh, did not have the greatest NBA career, certainly uh, uh, by any standards. Nay, nay. Co-captains with with Mr. Magic there. Yeah. Greg Kelser is our answer, sir. Can I not give you the points? Going to take those seven points away, which leaves you with 19 points as your final total here. But still, for a first time in the hot seat, not too shabby. Uh, How are you feeling? Uh... Now that it's all said and done, I I give you the floor, the platform, as it were, for the next few moments for uh, anything you'd like to plug, pimp, or say, and then I'm going to kick you out. So uh, go for it. I'm feeling okay. I wish I had some of those moments back. Uh, I was sitting there with a couple of the answers, either right before or right after. Charlotte Webb came to me right after I gave him the answer. Uh, Never would have thought about a bear being the actor we were talking about. And uh, Radar, I think I did say Radar a couple times, and of course Greg Kelser is right on the tip of my tongue. Um, but, yeah, first time, and I feel like that was a uh, that was a fun experience. Very tricky questions. I appreciate those. Indeed. So uh, before, before I do let you go, I want you to tell everybody where they can find the uh, Movie Ladder podcast. Yeah, so the Movie Ladder podcast, uh, again, it's been launched for a few weeks. Every week we recap a movie and then we figure out our next movie that has some sort of connection to the one we watched the first time. So the first movie we recapped was Fargo. We did a discussion of Fargo and then spent the second half of the podcast figuring out what the next movie we would watch as related to Fargo would be. And uh, less trivia on that podcast, but it's a fun weekly discussion. If you like movies, we take listener suggestions and try to 
find uh, good recommendations that people have seen or maybe some hidden gems that people have not seen. So definitely check us out. Uh, you can find us uh, at Ladder Movie on Twitter. We also have a Letterboxd profile if you do use Letterboxd for your movie watching tracking. And you can find it at Ladder Movie on Letterboxd as well. Uh, as well, you can find me on most social media platforms at BrooksZA as well. Uh, I promise my takes are better than my trivia answers. <laughs> Well, uh, you can also find him in the supermarket, I'm sure. (laughs) Especially right now. Just frown on my face, sadly. Uh, Stop in the ice cream section. Get yourself something to uh, help ease the pain there. Uh, Thank you so much for being on the show, Zach. Thank you all for listening. And we'll be back with another exciting adventure here on Beat Mike Guest. Until then, take care and bye-bye. Did you beat our guest or did our guest beat you? Tell us all about it on Twitter at BMGPod. Also, please review and rate us on iTunes. And if you like what you've heard, spread the word. This has absolutely not been a Mark Goodson, Bill Todman production.